To Unqualified Mind. I'm Jeffrey Keeble, and with me is Eric Byers. I'm just smiling already. Are you? I am. You know why? I My favorite know. part of the show. Well, you're usually pretty dead inside, bro. The banter. Oh, I am, but I'm still smiling. <laughs> oh, you're excited about the banter. I am. Yeah? This right here. The back and forth. I like it. It's a little better. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, then it stops. Well, <laughs> yeah, Man, you, dude. You mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. I can talk to you, it feels like, for hours outside of the microphone, and then when we're in here, nothing. I got nothing for you. Nothing. That's not why, sure why it, that is. It confuses me. I'm sorry. It's okay. You know I'm working on it. Yeah. You're working on your stuff. Yeah, well. I'm working on my stuff. Yeah. Well, I just want to live. Yeah, well, I want to be happy. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, you want to introduce our guest in for today? I do, because I'm excited, because they're two wonderful people uh, with... Uh, Interesting backgrounds and a couple of interesting jobs, and I think uh, I think the listeners are going to be really excited. We got two uh, guests in the studio. Uh, first, uh, to my right, Mr. Chad Rice. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. How are you? <laughs> What's going on? Very good. Very good. Happy to have you. And directly across from me, Mr. Gregory Rupp. How are you doing, sir? Very good. Beautiful view from here. Great, great. Um, really happy to have both of you in uh, to Wisconsin. So. We got a couple of guests from out of Wisconsin, so that's nice to have. Uh, kind of where we go on site not too long ago, right, Jeffrey? Yeah, you know, we just went, well, an hour down the road, but we and, packed everything up. And and now guests are flying in from yes, the state. Yes, exactly. Show's taking off. Taking off. I mean, now we're up to seven followers, so. Yeah. <laughs> we're looking for eight. <laughs> yeah. Let me know if you want to be eight. We can help you out with that. <laughs> Uh, so we got two two people in uh, today. So Chad Rice is a digital fraud consultant uh, for a major financial institute, and Gregory Rupp is a um, what's your title, Gregory? You know, it's uh, it's really so secret that I'm not sure I should mention. Mm. Yep. But uh, you you um, you could elaborate possibly on uh, what I've filled you in on previously. Yeah, so you, as I understand it, you make for you work for a major car manufacturer, uh, and, and a lot of your work involves um, um, sampling or testing uh, new vehicles. Yeah, pre-production uh, type uh, systems, uh, durability. Um, you know, basically uh, complete car type durability situations that uh, we want to eliminate problems that. Uh, the customer may find during production. Interesting. Interesting. Nice. Nice. Until so the you, warranty wears out, right? That's a unique <laughs> yeah. job. At least for the first 80 to 100 mile, 80 to 100,000. You know, that's why the warranty's there. When it's <laughs> up, uh, the car that's the, that's the nudge to get a new one. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Rice. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> You're a digital fraud consultant. Can uh, you kind of give us... What, uh, so you protect online customers? Sort of. I, uh, I protect the, the merchants, so the folks that are uh, selling the products to the consumers. Okay. So, so in a typical transaction, then, I, I go online, I buy something off of uh, any retailer. What kind of things happen then in that transaction? So... 
from a fraud perspective, you're obviously having a uh, a card that's that's being used by a bad actor, uh, is compromised from from another consumer. But as far as the the, the payment process, you're you're going to start with a a card issuer. That's the the bank that backs the card, the the, the Visa, the Mastercard, um, and then you'll have the obviously the the the, the card holder, who's the actual holder of the card, um, that's going to lead to your your network, your Visa and MasterCard. And then finally, uh, you'll have your merchant and then the merchant acquiring bank on the end. And where I come in is I, I work for that acquiring bank to to make sure that their merchants reduce as much fraud in their in their e-commerce systems as, as, as much as possible. Interesting. Interesting. So... In that process, then, how does some of that information that you're getting back from these transactions help decide whether something is fraudulent or not? Okay, so as as, as transactions come through, and, and believe it or not, it, close to a quarter of transactions that are actually going through the merchant ecosystem at our at our acquiring bank right now are, are fraudulent. Um, Did you say one-fourth? One-fourth. One-fourth, one a quarter. Oh. But but that's kind of a, a, a skewed number to, that <laughs> you, you you could I'm gonna say it's not what you think. So most of those transactions are are botnet transactions, bot script transactions, okay. where you have a computer system that is is trying to generate random numbers to 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 find cards that are actually gonna you know uh, get it approved through the authorization process. Um, most of those obviously are, are unsophisticated attempts, okay. but they're still classified. Um, in any merchant environment, you could be looking at the type of fraud that you guys are probably thinking about, where somebody's you know card has been stolen and yep. then used to purchase something that's you know eventually going to be fenced for for the the, the bad actor's profit. That's going to be more in the realm of a quarter percent on a a, a merchant who's doing a really good job. All the way up to, you know, one and a half, two, three percent on some of the merchants that that aren't. But you know that those percentages, of course, they're they're dictated also off of the merchant's actual product and their margins and their operations. Sometimes merchants can can afford to have higher loss, you know, fraud rates, and and then you know, depending upon a product, maybe a merchant doesn't have that that type of uh, you know ability or. Uh, way of doing business. That's interesting. So there's basically a whole set of computers out there that's just trying to guess working credit card numbers? Yes. Wow. Yes. And they uh, just created an algorithm of some sorts that, you know, like, you know, because all Visa cards start with this number, right? Yeah. You know, MasterCards start with that number. So they've, they're just filling in mathematically like, well, we can eventually get them. So that that's exactly it. Once they find a, a group of cards that have, you know, that have been compromised, they mm -hmm. can take you know, combinations of those card numbers and starting off with the bin, which is the, the first six digits on any debit or credit card you guys see. Yep. And then from there, try to find the, uh, just the, the different combinations within and push those through to merchants, uh, it, just trying to get an approval. And when they want to see it, they can see an approval, they'll go ahead and, and try to, you know, compromise that card for further and, and build upon the identity that they have already. Wow. Dang. Sophisticated, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's way over my head. <laughs> Holy cow, and you're a tall guy, yeah. Well, I'm six foot, there not you that go. tall. <laughs> so, Mr. Rupp, 
so what's what's a what's the kind of the day to day for you then? Is uh, I mean, if you're you're kind of testing different things, are are you given a list of things that you need to do for a particular car, or, or are you given a particular set of cars, or how do they kind of do they point you in the right direction, or you kind of have a little more free reign on what you're doing? You know, there is some free reign involved in uh, the day to day testing, but uh, normally I am assigned to a project that that maybe could vary from three days to three months, uh, depending on what we are launching and the intensity required to, uh, to get this thing to market. Um, some of it is, uh, is very early mm. and uh, we have a lot of time to fine tune things. Uh, but some of it is later and maybe they found a, a glitch or a bug and, and we really need some intense testing to make sure that this thing rolls out uh, whether it be six weeks from now, um, because again, you know, relating, I think similar to what, what Chad's talking about is, is we have consumers out there who, um, they expect a very high level, uh, when, when, when they buy a product, mm. um, anything, uh, anything they purchase, they, they want things to be perfect. And there's a lot of competition out there that, uh, that gives them additional choices. So, uh, you know, any manufacturer, uh, when, it, when you know an auto manufacturer like like ourselves, uh, that has some premium divisions attached to it, uh, with that increased competition, there is less room for error. Mm. So we've just got to be that much better. So, you know, I know when like uh, Microsoft develops like a new update or a new uh, set of software or something like that, they kind of have these alpha and beta testers. Would you say that yourself and the people that work in your division are are kind of like that for for an auto manufacturer? Yeah, we are because there's a, there's an entire team of engineers that spends a lot of time on whichever division that, that we're talking about there. There's so many different things. I mean, if, if we're talking about say, take for example, one particular feature of a vehicle and it could be uh, rain sensing wipers, right? Mm. Uh, if that rain sensing wiper system, you, you, you and I think, Oh, all we have to do is turn this switch on and when the windshield gets wet, the wipers come on, right? Well, there's a lot of moving parts to that. You have the windshield switch, it's, or you have the windshield wiper switch itself, wherever that's placed, all right? You also have the rain sensor that may be located in the top of the windshield or the bottom or one of the corners. Um, and then when that senses moisture, uh, it has to trigger the switch that has to then in turn trigger the motor to operate the wipers. Also, there's an indicator on your instrument panel that when your when your wipers come on in this particular situation, it will indicate that that system is active. All of these systems have to talk to each other. One of the other aspects of auto manufacturing is if we can build a product for 20 cents cheaper, we're going to do it because 20 cents times 200,000 units or 2 million units adds up to a large yep. amount of money. So let's say the switch itself that operates these windshield wipers is 20 cents cheaper. You can set a send a, or send a set of parameters to that manufacturer. You can build the switch exactly as the engineers demand it to be built. But when it comes in, it doesn't communicate with those other three components exactly the same as the old one did. 
So there is additional programming and testing and troubleshooting to make sure that everything is seamless. Um, there should be no surprises, no glitches. So that's kind of a dumbed down version of how something like that could work. But the type of detail that's required for a system that you and I expect will work every <laughs> single time we operate it. Interesting. Wow. So back to Chad. Say say I was I had a stolen credit card and I'm trying to buy a vehicle that has been tested over here by Mr. <laughs> Rupp. <laughs> You got and a big limit, right? I got, a big, I, got a, I got myself a nice card or a couple sets of cards. I'm going to go after that. You're protecting the merchant in that transaction, right? You're not protecting the, the customer I've taken the card from. So in theory, yes. And, and I, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that, but there are a few e-commerce car dealerships that are popping up out there, right? And mm -hmm. um, if that transaction was you know, done with a card, um, there would most likely be, you know, I would represent the, that, that car dealer, that online e-commerce car dealer. Um, I think most of those transactions probably would be financed and that dealership is offering finance through the online. And there, there's, there's similar products to that for, for identity verification and, and, you know, just account and, and, I think the paperwork that you would need to set up one of those loans for, you know, for fraud prevention. But Okay. So if I was doing that with a card though, can you kind of take us break down the payment process for us? So yeah, the, the payment process, again, you have the issuer who represents the, the card holder uh, yourself and, and you're going to go to, let's say the, the car online car dealer to, to purchase a card um, at, or I'm sorry, you, your card is compromised mm -hmm. and, a, and a bad guy goes to the car dealer because he's going to buy a car. Right? Yep. It's an online car dealer. Um, what will happen is that car will, card will go through a payment processor mm -hmm. and that processor will, you know, essentially make sure that it's authorized. There's enough money in that, uh, that account to, to, to make that payment. And then you, it'll go through some different, you know, fraud, digital fraud screening capabilities that happen in the background that, you know, I think a lot of people, don't know about, you know, we can pull back information on, on the device that's making that order. So if it was your PC at home or your mobile device, uh, we can actually go in and, and, and take a look at geolocating your device and, and comparing it to maybe the, uh, the location of the billing address that you put in when you, you purchased the car online. Um, a lot of different metrics that are used to, to make a decision on whether, hey, you know, is this a high risk transaction and should we stop it or block it? Or is uh, everything look like it's in order and 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 we can push it through? Um, working for the acquirer, so the bank that 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 e-commerce site would would end up, you know, putting that money into what we're what we need to do is make sure that when that money and is settled, you know, that transaction is settled at the end of the time at the end of the day with our bank, and we're we're settling you know bona fide uh, transactions that are that are you know there's there's no fraud behind it because there's there's circums there's I guess not circumstances, but there's consequences to if that is a bad order and it transaction and it gets through, you have a, a chargeback and dispute process. Obviously, somebody's card's been compromised. They're going to be upset. They're going to need their money back. And whose responsibility is that? Is that on the, the issuer who, who who supplied them the, the you know, the, the funds in the card up front? Or is that come down to the merchant? And 
really that's why I want to make sure that our merchants are are buttoned up to 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 avoid avoid any negative consequences in that chargeback process. So who's kind of doing the policing on that? Who who's the judge, if you will, on on who's going to end up taking the responsibility on that? In the in the payment in the payment processing world, God is are the what we call the network, which is Visa and Mastercard. So those okay. those guys those guys make the rules and those guys oh. enforce the rules. Okay. Okay. All right. So um, with that being said, uh, do you only protect like U.S. cars, or do you go globally with it? So right now, my job is focused in the U.S., Canada, and EU. Um, transactions that are occurring there. Um, we we we're, we are rolling out with international expansion. Oh. So I'm, I'm actually in the process of taking a few courses and doing studying on my on my own on just how fraud is different in a, a few of the other jurisdictions, like in APAC and uh, and even uh, South uh, Latin America, South America. Oh. Nice, interesting. Yeah. So. So if I jump on, just to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying, if I jump on my iPhone right now, you know, and like open the Nike app and buy a pair of shoes right now, who knows that, who knows that I'm on an iPhone, the the Nike or as the merchant or Visa as like the network or both or all? So it would be, it would be Nike and then it would be any partners that would offer digital fraud solutions or any type of fraud solutions for them to vet that transaction that they, they could pass that, that information to like via an API. So when you are, are on that checkout page or, or your journey through purchasing your, your air Jordans, right. Yep. <laughs> um, there there's embedded, you, you don't see it, uh, a JavaScript, very five, six lines of JavaScript that essentially, you know, while you're on there, are pulling back information from the device that you have, uh, you know, like the type of browser you have, um, operating system. Um, we can we can obviously through the operating system extract whether it's a, an iPhone or an Android device. Um, there, there's different things. It can even pull back, you know, resolution. So if your screen is set to a specific resolution, <laughs> uh, the number of pixels there. And all of those things combined can create a unique device fingerprint mm-hmm. so that, hey, if you are a bad guy and you, you keep using that iPhone to, to do, you know, 100 bad transactions over the next couple hours, you know, our system and, and you're working through our, our network of, of merchants, we'll pick that up. Right down to resolution huh? yeah, that's on crazy. the screen. Just so they're like, oh, well, this guy's got a terrible resolution. He can't yeah. afford their new Air Jordans. This yeah. is a criminal. Shut that transaction down. The, the new uh, stuff is actually really cool, which is uh, behavioral biometrics, which essentially you have, both of you, everybody sitting here, has their own special way of, of navigating a mouse and how we click, how fast we move this way, how fast we type. Um <laughs> and all of that, you know, as you're navigating a system can be recorded. And then, you know, in this world, when we're, we're, we're dealing with what we call, you know, transactions where you're working with a specific merchant. So let's, uh, that you go back to a lot. So let's, let's say those, those sneakers, right. And you're, you're, what do you call it? Sneakerhead, right. And yep. three weeks from now, you got to get the new whatever's. And you come back, you were there three weeks before. They're going to, they know who you are. They know how you, you, you swipe. They know how you move your mouse when you're in their site. If all of a sudden this doesn't look like it was you, but they're trying to use that same card again, there's some red flags that are going to go up. 
Interesting. <laughs> interesting. So like if I, if I always buy Nikes every three months and I'm doing it on an iPhone and it takes me like an average time of like 38 minutes to browse cart and buy. And then all of a sudden it comes through and it's on an Android and it's done in a minute. Red flag, red flag, right? That's the type of system that's going to check against us. Right. Not necessarily, you know, just that, you know, Foot Locker, Nike, whatever them, not them seeing just that, but a combination of that. Maybe they're going to, like I said, maybe they're going to look at the distance between where that device was located uh, and where the billing address is. Or, or, you know, a lot of times if it's fraud, it involved the, the billing address is separate from the shipping address. It's, um, it's also possible, I suppose, this is your 17th pair of Jordans you've purchased today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going to do that, right? Yep. So that's, that's what we call velocity checks. So then it's it's doing that based off of um it does it throwing is it throwing up red flags to a group of people then that are sitting somewhere and say, all right, double check these transactions before they go through, or it's tripping off a certain number of rules and then it's just denying it on its own. So that's a that's a good question. So those those are the clients, like the merchants I work for. Um they can do it several ways, right? We have the the the, the old school way, which is like you just said, what we would call a manual review team. Um, you would have orders that maybe they had so many flags, you know, it tripped that, hey, we know this thing's bad. We're just going to decline it right off the stop. Mm. Then, you know, you have this, the majority of orders that, hey, you don't want to decline somebody who's good. You just want to make sure they're bad, but you you don't want the, the, the computer to make the decision. You don't trust the computer to make the decision for you. So those will go to a review queue and you will have a number of, you know, fraud, you know, advisors or, or, or review people take a look at that, a deep dive into that order before they say, you know, Hey, let's go ahead and ship and fulfill it. Or, Hey, you know, this, this one's garbage and, and, and let's decline it. So you have that, but then a lot of companies are, are migrating to, you know, higher technological, you know, I guess advances in data and data analytics right now where the models are, are becoming more and more accurate. So these merchants are having to rely less on the, the human intervention side, right, um, which which is expensive for, for companies, and they're relying more on just the computer to make the, the decisions. I think it's just like just about anything else in this world right now. Everything's going to automated, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So, yeah, but even the cars are trying to drive themselves. Yep. That's, that's it. <laughs> and they and they are they're, the assistant systems and the advancement in those um, is extreme. Uh, everybody wants everything to work easier, right? Everything. Yep. Any, anything you do in life, we want it just to be simpler and quicker and and uh, and easier to achieve. So when you're driving your car, you know, there's that core group of people that still enjoy a driving experience and they uh, they wish to drive their vehicle. But there's a there's a large people, a large group of people out there that that wish these cars to do a lot of those things for them. So uh, with uh, with integrated systems like lane assist or lane centering uh, assistance and uh, adaptive cruise controls and uh, <laughs> and things like that those are independent systems that can be turned on and off now there are other manufacturers out there that that are currently in production that have a more autonomous approach to those systems and a lot of those things are integrated on some sort of level and to some sort of degree so uh, those are also things that uh, every manufacturer is looking at and testing constantly because uh, again with the competition that's out there 
either you put up or you shut up. And if you are not putting up a product that is comparable or uh, allows you to gain market share in some way, you're already behind. So uh, a lot of the stuff that we're looking at and testing are things that, that are being developed today that, that won't make it to market maybe two or three years down the road. Damn. So uh, we're, uh, we always have to be ahead of the game because if you're behind, so you're going to be left behind. Yeah. So in your specific job, are, are you testing more of those new features or are you testing any of the regular stuff like transmission shifting, like it, it shifts hard or, or like it, it, it doesn't handle as responsive as I thought it would or is that a whole group of, is that a whole separate people? Well, there's uh, there's different uh there's different ways that we can look at that. So each division that submits a, a vehicle or a portion of a vehicle for test has a set of criteria that they wish to be looked at. So maybe the, the vehicle that's sent to us is testing a very specific system and the vehicle itself is not nearly as important as that specific system. In that case, we wouldn't be looking at transmission or engine performance or any of those types of things. We'd be more focused on uh, a specialist that could work with the particular feature that was was asked to be tested. Uh, on the other hand, there are constantly improvements being made to efficiency and you know power and smoothness mm. and noise reduction and all of these types of things that manufacturers want looked at as well because in that that serene type of experience of driving to and from work um if you don't hear anything and you don't feel anything and your car is doing so much for you that all of a sudden you're you're very almost angry sometimes in traffic type of drive becomes more comfortable and more relaxing and it allows you to focus on the, the day ahead, uh, those are all things in us, in someone's subconscious that they think, wow, this is, this is fantastic, you know, and, and, and all of those things contribute to that experience. So technology is the driving force when it comes to things like that, <laughs> because, uh, you know, no longer is the days of, uh, manual locks and manual windows and, uh, you know, a key inside the door to, <laughs> <laughs> You know, and these these things that you walk up to the car, they unlock themselves. All you have to do is grab the door handle, yep. get in, mm -hmm. press a button, right? Um, you think we're ever going to see anything like like iPhones have like Face ID? You ever th you think maybe they're going to bring something like that to like unlock your car door with your face oh, or something like he's that? He's smiling. He's smiling. <laughs> already, already are they experimenting with things like that? Oh um, my god! <laughs> so so when uh, Chad kind of touched on biometrics and things like that. Um, it, it's going to sense things like, again, your mannerisms, uh, how fast you approach the vehicle, um, how you grab the door handle. It may even sense your touch. Um, some of these vehicles now for a feature we're, we're seeing more, more often now, but maybe is less, lesser known is the kick feature on a tailgate or oh. a, a hit uh, hatch uh, where you can slide your foot underneath the rear bumper and the hatch or the trunk opens automatically. 
that still is a manual feature. You're not reaching down with your hand to open that trunk, but you are using your foot, which may allow your hands to be doing something else like Mm -hmm. carrying groceries, you know? Uh, So those types of convenience features, but uh, getting into the car, yes, face recognition, um, maybe, maybe it it already knows. Um, For instance, uh, I think we were, we were discussing uh, just before the banter uh, AirPods and how AirPods seamlessly connect. All right. To your phone. Um, if your phone is registered to the car and you approach the car, the car already knows who you are when you're approaching, right? Now, could someone grab your purse and have your phone and try to trick the vehicle? Possibly. So will it be totally seam? Will it be totally hands off? Maybe not because you may still have to provide that touch and the sensors in the door handle still as a last point of verification says, yes, this is you, and I'm going to allow you in. Once it does allow you in, all of those other things that are already loaded into your phone or possibly the app that's connected to it customizes itself to that particular driver at that moment. Could be up to six drivers or six registered users in that one vehicle. And uh, automatically when you get in, everything is customized for you. Uh, Position of the seat, um, the radio stations, the HVAC controls. um, To go even further than that, engine and transmission performance, the way that the transmission reacts to your inputs when you're driving, all (laughs) of those things to you. You may, Jeffrey, you may drive very quickly from stoplight to stoplight, right? Mm-hmm. You take off quickly, you slow down quickly, more brake input, more gas input. Uh, but uh, somebody else that may drive the car may drive it differently. They may take off quickly, but slow down slowly. That's going to also change the way that that transmission reacts. So if there's clunking or jerking or anything like that, it becomes uncomfortable, mm-hmm. maybe annoying. And again, you have an unhappy customer. Yep. So there's so much thought put into this and uh, everybody's thinking about it. So uh, it's sounds can get pretty. It definitely sounds like technology is at the core for both of your jobs. So like, I mean, if, if technology wasn't there, it doesn't sound like a lot of the advancements wouldn't be there. So it's. No. And it takes a lot of smart people to, to think about the different possibilities that may come up and, and the ways to address those types of things. So um, that is far, far before we ever see a product that is tangible, that we can touch, that we can work with. Um, so, uh, those, uh, those big <laughs> tables full of people, those are important people behind the scenes. Well, that's well, that's why cars are $90,000. <laughs> yeah, well, they got sensors in the back tailgate to see when you're waving your foot in there. As soon as, when he was telling that, all I could think about is, what about like peg leg pirates? How do they open to the back hatch? <laughs> what feature? Uh, how are you marketing to those people? Because they're watching, they're upset in those commercials. Hey, they that see proximity, that, commercial. that proximity can be modified. That's, see, they yep. can read. You've, you've got, can you've read got shorter hickory, toes. Can I read a hickory peg leg and be like, no, no, this is maple. This is not your car. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. What do you think, Jeffrey? 
you uh you like to drive your car or you wanted to drive you around uh i like to drive my car you know i just bought a a well a new used truck there you go you know with all the fancy you know has it's fully loaded um what i what i do dislike about it is the lane assist you know it just bug cuz i like it makes so, me feel like a bad driver so so tell me <laughs> walk walk me through that experience what what uh how does it operate and what do you feel when it's operating well it, you know you're driving and and i'm not sure if i should be sharing and how you, much i look at my phone <laughs> but that that you're probably turning on an episode of unqualified minds yes yes exactly and um no it's just like if i move a little bit to the left it's like oh then it not jerks me but it assists me back into my lane and then all of a sudden i go veer to the right and it's like i'm playing ping pong between lanes almost uh, and i'm not a so, bad driver so it sounds jeffrey it doesn't, like, <laughs> doesn't yeah, sound but, like it yeah like it's like, like you would like your car I'd expect to drive that out of you yeah it doesn't seem like a lane assist I, problem so, yeah, no, <laughs> i'd expect yeah. that out of chad rice maybe oh. <laughs> <laughs> not you. But, but no i mean it, it, it's 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 nice but at the same time, it, it is very because I'm not. So like, you would prefer that it would allow you to hit the gravel on the right, yeah, and exactly. to cross yeah. the center line Old in school. the middle. If, if there was a way like for it to know when he's it finally in the ditch, <laughs> yeah, then exactly. assist me out of it. So there is uh, a way that you can you can change that experience, be a and that's driver. and that's by turning <laughs> it off. Yeah. Well, you well that's, see, what he, well, that's what he does when I'm in the car. Yeah. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Uh, he, that's a, that's he, like you probably paid an extra five grand for that. Turn <laughs> that shit on. You're pissing yeah. money away. See, now well, I like. Well, see, the difference is. is I like um, all that. Yeah. My, like, I absolutely hate my fiance's Subaru. Absolutely hate it. We're name dropping now? Well, well, I'm just saying, like, that's the car that we have. And, and I dislike it just for the fact that it's. Too responsive. <laughs> too safe. No, no, like. Too safe. Get out of here with your yeah, five star no, shit. It, it, Give it, me a nice three star. Well, well, it's so weird. I want an 82 Caprice. It's just not what I'm used to, I guess. <laughs> Damn seatbelts. You know what I mean, though? Like, you're not used to, like. See, no, I'm, I'm the opposite, you, though. You like, give me a self driving car. When you're driving and I am paying attention, and then all of a sudden, like, I want to pass a car mm-hmm. or. Yeah, on the freeway pass car, you have to turn on your blinker. You you do. You yeah. do because you're you're <laughs> otherwise it'll jerk you back. It'll jerk you back. You're okay. now communicating with the car. The yes. car knows your intention as soon as you turn your signal on. Too often we find ourselves merging before we turn on our yep. signal. Yep. And then the system is gonna say, No, Jeffrey, <laughs> you're looking at your phone again. Yeah. You know, so and and then it's going to it's going to again put you back in a safe situation. The the one thing that we we train a lot of our people to do is to be more relaxed behind the wheel. No, look I'm, at I'm that hearing, man. No, Does that look like a no. man who can relax? Wow, <laughs> look at him. It's, it's I <laughs> no, so I, I don't know. It's you need a you need a self driving car then because you can yeah maybe maybe that I just. Don't need a drive, maybe. I, the, the, more, way, the, the way the way I'm explaining everything, do, the better. It can drive me. It can respond to my email, my from work. It can text my family, hello, miss you, all that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the shirt says impulse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow, there's a message here, isn't there? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, smoothness, uh, smoothness. I think also uh, just using those systems more. Yeah, and understanding your your particular mannerisms or or your habits, and yeah. and maybe, uh, you know, again, I'm I'm not I'm not calling out any faults here, but maybe there's improvement to be found in. Yeah, I think uh, I think we <laughs> gotta, just saw gotta it there. Got to put that phone down. <laughs> got to be a better person so, and driver. Is yeah. what I'm hearing. Is what I'm hearing Greg say. So, so does this? Uh, does, uh, this isn't about racing is it, technology. Yeah, 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 this is, this is, is this a what, intervention? This, yes, this is an intervention. <laughs> it's time to plug that phone into Apple CarPlay and uh, and start talking uh, to it. Talking to yeah. it. Yeah, but what I what I do one feature that I do like about my fiance's um, SUV is that. When the when you have the what do you want to call it? Um, blinking out cruise control, cruise control, cruise control on, and when you're like doing eighty on the highway and there's a slower person in front of you, I like how it automatically does slow down for you. Right, so it's adaptive. Yeah, so it's it's reading. It's reading the distance between you and the vehicle in front of you, and it, you can actually set that distance. Yes, yes. And, and, and a, a little known fact is normally these distances are represented by bars. Yep. And you'll see normally from somewhere one to five bars. And, and people often think, what, what does that bar represent? The bar represents actually time. So one bar equals one second. Is that right? I was going to oh, say car length is yeah, really I was going to say car head. length too. Early systems were were that way, but see, there's a there's a huge flaw in that. A car length, a car length is also related to reaction time. So at 75 miles per hour, three car lengths is a much shorter distance than it is at 25 at 25 miles okay, per hour. Yep, yep. So the car then is now much smarter because if you set it at three bars. It's three seconds at your current speed, whatever oh, that speed okay. may be. So the faster you're going, the greater that distance. Would be. Right. So yeah. if you test that theory, you'll notice if you're if you're on your way um, out on the highway. I would test it, but then I'd be doing your job. <laughs> I don't want to take you out of work. Well, yeah, yeah, and, and 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 the user is just using it. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's how that's how that works. Oh, so you'll okay. you'll notice that now when you get back yeah. in it, that uh, it'll follow closer at slower speeds. It'll yeah. follow much further away at higher speeds without actually changing that parameter. Yeah, I do like it at times. What there's sometimes where I'm just driving, like no phone or anything. I'll just be. Driving and all of a sudden I'll be like, man, this car all of a sudden sped up, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I look down, I'm like, damn, I'm only doing sixty now. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? And then once I move over, then I'm like, see ya. But I mean, it's just I don't know. I guess it's a love hate. Love hate. Yeah, it's just you know something that I'm not not too used to yet. So something else that's interesting is uh, if you find yourself on the interstate a lot. Doesn't matter if we have two lanes or five lanes. You have people passing you in every lane, right? Mm -hmm. In Europe, they're pretty strict with that. Uh, they, uh, you have this move over rule. If you're going slower than an approaching vehicle, you've got to constantly be checking your mirrors. And if you've got a faster vehicle behind you and they're in your lane, you have to move to the right so they can go around you. Um, in Europe, it's illegal to pass on the right. 
So adaptive cruise controls, if you have it set and you're in the right lane and you're approaching a vehicle that's slower and it's in the left lane, the adaptive cruise control will detect the vehicle in the left lane and slow down, not allowing you to pass. Wow. So again, all these systems that we're testing have different rules and different sets of regulations, sometimes even in specific countries. May not be just different continents, it's different countries in general. So that's one of those that is, uh, is more glaring for us and, uh, and requires us to program systems two completely different ways. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Like, you know, just that. So obviously you can see in front of it. So now it's like seeing in the front end to the left to see if there's that car there. Right. Stopping you behind that so you don't break the law. Right. So not only does it help you being a better driver, it's helping you from breaking laws too. Right, right. It'll it'll also follow cars <laughs> that exit, exit off of uh, an interstate, say in front of you. It'll follow that car as it disappears from view to your right, and it will slow you down until it feels that that car does not have an opportunity to return to the lane in front of you, and then it'll speed up. Some people may often think that all the, oh, the, the thing's just lagging, you know, yep. it's, it's misprogrammed. It's, it's too slow, yep. but here's another yep. thing that you can do to override that instead of being so quick to turn it off, don't turn it off. Just use a little toe input on the gas pedal. And when you do that, the system remains set. All the settings remain intact. You can override that slowdown feature. All right. Because now they know Jeffrey's not on his phone, right? <laughs> and he's paying attention. And it saw the car, but Jeffrey does too. He knows the situation's safe. He oh. can tip in with his throttle a little bit, override that, and he can feel that the car now is relaxing. It allows him to continue to go, and he can let off the gas, and it returns back the way it was. So some of it's usability as well, and it's it's learning how these systems operate and react. Interesting. Spe nice. Speaking of breaking laws, let me jump back to Chad here because you mentioned that you're, you're working for the Financial Institute um, and not the merchant, but it sounds like your job is definitely benefiting the merchant. Is, is your same job available where you could you could just work directly for the merchant doing some, your, a similar task? Yes. So most of the companies I work with have a, a dedicated fraud department or, or fraud team. It, it, a lot of them will have a fraud manager. Um, and, and as a consultant to those guys, I did, they are the, the, the merchants that take fraud seriously are the merchants that are always going to get the most out of, out of my services. So, you know, working for the FI that, that takes care of their bank account, their merchant accounts, and, and takes care of making sure that the merchant is following the rules set by the, the networks, having a partner in, in this with the merchant is, is, is a lot better than working for a merchant who, who thinks a consultant is actually somebody there to, to do the job for them. So, you know, yes, most all your, 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 the, the big guys, so the, the biggest e-com guy out there right now, they definitely have one of the best fraud teams out there right now. And that's why they make so many, they're able to make so many seamless purchases. And it's going back to what Greg said here is, is you know, it's about convenience for the customers, right? That's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the, that's what he does. He's building convenience and safety. You know, the door opens for you. Um, 
you know, we have to take that in consideration too. So, you know, the merchants do have a lot of, uh, a lot of gray matter being burnt to make sure that, you know, we're keeping the bad, they're keeping the bad orders out, but they're still making it very convenient uh, on, for the good orders. It would, it, it's not, not a fun experience for anybody when it's really you, it's really your card <laughs> and, and, and you, you're declined and you know, you have enough money in your account to pay mm-hmm. for this. And, you're declined because some some kind of something false happened. Maybe you're on vacation and you made an order and and, and that triggered something. So mm-hmm. we have to take all of those things into consideration. And uh, and, and the merchant has to uh, really in order to get the most out of me and optimizing their systems is, is has to has to play ball too. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean even so that's how they know like if I travel to California, and then all of a sudden I make a purchase at a gas station and then I try it again later on that day and my car's decline. That's mm-hmm. when they start realizing, oh shit, like, you know, this guy was just in Wisconsin 24 hours ago and now he's in California. No one notified us about that. Yeah. It's so kind of embarrassing. How, how do they get those to go through sometimes yeah. though too? That's a, that's an interesting question. Like, uh, is it possible that like if I use the same card to book the flight, that they're able to identify that to like know that I'm where I'm at. Can they see into that like flight information then, or can they just see that I made a transaction with an airline and then put that piece that together? Is it smart enough to make those um, connection points? So yeah, uh, that that's going to be more on the issuing side and, and the fraud protection on that side where they're, they're looking at you as the individual, you know, uh, card holder that, that they, they, they represent and they're, they're backing the money on. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, those things definitely happen. They're, they're, they're looking to, to make sure, Hey, you know, there was a, a something booked maybe in the last six months. Um, number one, maybe they don't know where it's booked to, but they can tell it's definitely a travel related transaction. Mm-hmm. And number two, Hey, you know what? They're probably going to be looking for a transaction that, that happened at an airport or, or a bus station, uh, it, or, or maybe a, a gas station somewhere. If you're driving by car near your home and then, you know, four or 500 miles away down the road wants to, to fill up again, they're going to look for those patterns in there and, and, and a lot of fraud and, and detection on my end and on the issuer's end is based on models right now. And, and these models are taking in massive amounts of data so that, mm-hmm. that we can make the right decision for, for the, the merchant, the, the issuer and the, and the, and the, and the cardholder. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's see. So those, those fraud, those fraud consultant jobs are, are existing on all those levels then on the, on the issuer side on the merchant side, on the financial institution side, those are, they're all doing similar things to what you're doing. Yeah. So the, the issuer is going to have a fraud team. <laughs> the, the merchant's going to have a fraud team. It's Even a lot of jobs. The, yeah. the, the, the Visa, Visa MasterCard, they have, they have fraud teams. And then, you know, the, the acquirer, they're going to have fraud teams that really are there to protect them as a bank and their merchants. Because when you're an acquirer for merchants, you are, you, you vouch for them with the card networks and the card networks can't have fraud in their systems, in their ecosystems. They, they have to reduce that. So they put a lot of the onus on, on the acquiring bank, who's the merchant's bank and, and who I work for to make sure that those merchants stay, stay within thresholds with the, the card brands and, and, you know, and, and keep their reputation up with them. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so why is the, F, why is it so important to the financial Institute that employs you to do so much uh, labor work back and forth with the merchants, you know? So like, cause the merchant team already probably has the fraud department. They're already employing people, 
But now the financial institute has stepped up and employed you and others like you on your team. It seems like, well, you know, it seems like the merchant side would, should just employ more people to do that. Why is the financial institute going into their pockets to kind of help the merchant out so much? So again, it's going to deal with the reputation with the card brand. So we have this thing in, in our business called disputes and chargebacks. And anytime, you know, there's, there's, there's bona fide fraud. Maybe there's friendly fraud where you, you, you purchase something and you forgot about it. Um, or, or, Hey, maybe your, your, your kid grabbed the, the, the card out of the junk drawer to, to buy some skins on a video game. Right. Mm -hmm. You have all these things. Got a that, name that, for that friendly it, fraud. That's yeah, what that called, is. That's, that's the friendly fraud. So you have all of these different things that can happen, right. Where a dispute can, can pop up and, and that card holder is going to call their issuer and say, Hey, I, I didn't make this purchase. And then that issuer has to, by law, take that, that, that complaint or dispute in and start processing it. And in the realm of, of, of where I work, which is mainly e-commerce, card not present fraud, they're going to go through a, a chargeback basically system where most of the time the, the, the liability falls on the merchant. If it's a card present transaction where you're actually present swiping your card, putting the chip in, the, the new tap you know, capabilities, that, that liability will typically fall on the issuer. But card not present will, will, will shift over to the merchant. And what we do is we want to make sure that those merchants are or as, as buttoned up as, as possible and optimized to keep those fraud levels as low as possible. The, 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 the network, you know, the networks out there, MasterCard and Visa, they have programs, we call them the naughty list. All right. If you start slipping and your charge, chargeback rates start going up, um, you, you, you're, you're going to start facing fines or, or even actually the, the possibility of Visa cutting you off. I, I mean, I've had, had a couple of merchants where Visa has just said, Hey, we, you're out. You're not, you're not doing enough to, keep the fraud out of your, out of your environment. And that's, that doesn't work for us. It, we look bad as the acquirer who's vouching for that merchant. Um, that merchant obviously is scared. They're going to have a hard time doing online business if you can't process visa cards. I see. So, 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 so the, so the acquirers got skin in the game for each of these merchants because all these merchants that they've partnered with, now they're kind of going out to saying, to the bigger, so the to the network people, the the judges, as you said earlier, the Visa and the Mastercard, and saying, yeah, this merchant, you know, Company X over here, they do good work. We work with them. We're vouching for them. Now, if they start kind of slipping, you know, now that now you've got egg on your face from the financial institute side because you you've kind of said, yeah, they're good, they're good. Exactly. So now, so that it makes sense now that you said it like that to, <laughs> that they would help, you know, kind of make sure you're out there and. People on your that work with the same team for you, kind of driving that home and making sure that those that fraud doesn't get the, doesn't get through there. That's uh, so their mere existence is determined by some of these things needing to take place. That the fraud has to be eliminated or reduced for them to continue to exist in the marketplace. Correct. Correct. So, good example. Wow. Good example would be a uh, a merchant who let's just say that their, their product isn't isn't necessarily um, the, the the most reputable product. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember you're a little younger than me, but the, the Columbia House, right? The the hey, you're gonna get these CDs delivered to you, oh, and then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, you're you're 14 and you start getting these bills each month, and you didn't really <laughs> sign up for this, but they're hoping that you send them a check. Well, that stuff's still out there. 
right? And there's merchants that that try to to to, to lure people in on that. You think about um, maybe you sign up for a credit card and you check this box that says, "Hey, you're going to get free th- three free bottles of wine or, or or travel vouchers with you know with signing up for this card." You check it, but you don't read the 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 fine print, and the fine print says, "Hey, if you don't send it back in in two weeks, we're going to charge you ninety nine bucks for it." Right? That that's uh-huh. that's going to piss you off, <laughs> and you're going to call your issuer, and you're going to be like, "Yeah, look, I signed up for your card, but then you, we have you have this this thing built in. I thought I was just going to get some free wine, but." You know, obviously, this is just deceptive. Oh, that's that, why I signed up for the card anyway. I don't even need to buy anything. It, it, I just wanted some wine. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, I just, you, you, I, didn't ex- yeah. you didn't expect a $99 you yeah. know, invoice to come a month or two later. You're going to dispute that, right? And the yep. issuer has to take that dispute in. And you know what? That In the end, it's going to be that merchant who's on it for that dispute. Now, that merchant's not going to have, you know, that, I mean, that merchant has to stay in business by operating that way. Visa doesn't want that. And, you know, us as an acquirer, we don't want to to support those type of merchants. And, you know, we, we take steps to, to vet that going in and to make sure that they have a bona fide product and that's it's not going to cause a bunch of static and noise in, in, in the, the overall payments ecosystem. So if I'm a merchant, right, and I'm running my business and, and I'm struggling, you know, I got a, you know, I got a shitty business practice or, or, or for whatever reason, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the outs. Can I get back in? Or is this kind of like, you know, once Visa is, is kind of done with you, they, they're done with you, I'd have to go outside and create a whole new business? Or can I, can I, can I warm, my, <laughs> warm this hearts yeah. of uh, Visa again and kind of work my way back in? Change my name. Uh, yeah. Working on a business plan? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah the, uh, the answer is yes. Uh, for, for my organization, no way. Um, oh. you, could, you could reincorporate. You could have a new number. We have... You know, we have strict compliance and, and controls and provisioning on that we would we would know what was up before we would even allow you to, to, to get back in the door. Our, our gatekeepers would be there. But there are payment processors out there and, and acquirers out there who will take the, 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 the shadier side of the business, I guess you say, the merchants who, 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 who don't necessarily have the, the most reputable products or, or services. Um, you'll be able to get back in, but not with, not with us. Okay. Cause I was thinking, I, mean, I was just thinking about my wallet and how many <laughs> of the cards say visa on it. And if I could no longer do business with that merchant, I, I'm, I would, it would have, I would have to go through some extra hoops to be able to have money that I'd be able to use with that merchant. Because right now mo- almost all of my money is tied up with visa. I have, I have a, a MasterCard as well, but I don't actually use that MasterCard on, online. Actually, it's, it does other stuff for me. So I, I think their market share is is near forty or fifty percent. So yeah, that if 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 you were knocked out of being able to process Visa, you 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 you're gonna have a hard time surviving as a as a as a corporation. <laughs> wow. Uh, just a thought I had is there are there companies out there that um, that provide third party processing? So. Yes. Say, say I'm a merchant and I've been kicked out of Visa and MasterCard and Diners Club is out and I don't have that option either. And I hire an outside company and I don't know if a company like that exists that can process my payments for me. I don't know if, is that a thing? 
so yes, there's a there's smaller, you know, the, even they're they're calling them fintechs. I, I think they're bigger than fintechs now. There's there's a couple of big guys out there that aren't necessarily your typical acquirer, a, a large bank who's going to be able to take in you know deposits and, and settle these transactions. They um they'll they'll work with an aggregated level of of, of smaller banks, um and, and turn them into one single acquirer. Um, that's exactly what, what Stripe really does out there right now. Um, and, and then they also will, will be able to tailor themselves to, uh, to, to basically, you know, serve smaller, smaller, smaller merchants and, 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 and smaller businesses. But yes, there are processors that will process separately from, from a large acquirer, which is the traditional. This is a big unknown world. This is crazy. So what are these these people that these people that are looking to commit fraud? What's their bottom dollar? I mean, is it is it a monetary thing or are they trying to what 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 are they after? Yeah, yeah. So nowadays it's 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 all money. It's, it's just know, cash. Back in the day, this used to be teenagers who wanted to just mess mess shit up, right? And it was uh <laughs> now it's they've realized, "Hey, there's things that we can do to 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 make money." And it doesn't take that much technology to do it, but what you're looking at is is, is a lot of different ways. Just, you know, from all from at the top of the level, you know, laundering money for 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 terrorist activities, all the way down to the bottom level of hey, let's let's try to steal four iPhones this week and, and resell them. You know, a retail value of twelve hundred for for seven hundred uh, on a secondary market. You know, you know all the the those those different websites you have out there where you can repurchase something. And sometimes you wonder why, why am I getting a, you know, a box new iPhone for, for 800 bucks when this thing should really be 1200, mm. right? It, there, there's an answer to that. And the answer is a, a stolen credit card probably purchased that. And, and that fraudster doesn't need four iPhones. He, he needs, you know, one iPhone and $3,200. Interesting. So that's mm. how they get some of the cash out of that. They get a they got a list of stolen credit cards, and they need to turn that list of stolen credit cards into liquid cash. How do they do that? What are some of the things that they're doing to make sure that they don't have a paper trail that comes back to them? Like how do they? How are they trying to do that so they're not? You know, people aren't knocking on their door in the other day and saying, "Hey, where's the where's the rest of the <laughs> iPhones and the twenty grand you just made this month?" So that that's a good question. There's there, there's a couple of different there's not even a couple. There's there's several different methods. I mean, it, you could do a drop ship, which is you know basically just forwarding ship ship forwarding your mm. those goods on somewhere else. Um, a lot of these these fraud groups, um, they they're they're networks. You know, and when you're on the the dark web and you're you're able to to meet people who are doing the same things that you do and still have that, that same type of mindset that you do. That's just, you know, a, uh, it's cool to cheat. Uh, those minds come together and those minds are, 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 are distributed across the U S and those minds will communicate on the dark web to create ways of, Hey, let's, let's get this many products over here. So it doesn't look like that's happening or, Hey, let's use cards from over here and mix them in from over here. So a lot of people working together, um, to to essentially to 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 create the the, the ways for for these products to to get out there and, and be delivered, um, we we had a a client who did their own investigation actually in in Tucson Arizona, uh, probably about two years ago. Uh, one of the things that they 
they noticed they was that this this fraud ring in, was in Tucson, right? And they called contacted the Tucson Police Department. Tucson Police Department, they they same thing. We don't really care. This is not this is the the bank's problem, not not ours. <laughs> um, so they hired a private investigator. Private investigator kind of followed this 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 group and this 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 one house around that they knew these shipments were going to. They mm-hmm. they 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 followed them. They followed the the, the path of the dropship. And uh, turns out when the private investigator saw him, he he sees, you know, young girls, like too young, you know, probably like 10, 11, 12 years old girls <laughs> going in and out of the house. Well, that, that obviously going to the, the, the PE going back to the, or the PI going back to the merchant, merchant contacting Tucson police department. They, the Tucson police department was all about looking into that. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they saw the human trafficking side of that, you know, bad guys are doing bad things across the board. Um, that, that fraud ring was taken down right then and there. Um, I don't even think they're going after him for the card fraud because the other stuff is just that much worse. But, yep. but wow. that's, it, that's how you can, you can follow that drop shipping all the way to where it's, where it's happening. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's, obviously you got a nefarious group, you know, yes. doing bad things. I guess it, uh, it's not too far of a stretch of a mind to think that there's other bad things they're doing before or after they've got that money, you know, right. or, or supporting some other kind of... You'd, you'd think you could focus some of that energy towards good, couldn't you, uh, versus evil? <laughs> but uh, that's not the way some people think. Yeah. It's, 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 and it's the crazy thing is these guys are smart. And, yeah. and I, <laughs> I, I try to beat them every day. I try to find their patterns. That's what I do. Um, and they're continually moving. They're continually, you know, it's a fluid, fluid thing that they're in. They, they know... Within 24 hours, once I've caught them and stopped them, and they're on to to the next one, to the next one. And <laughs> as crazy as this might sound, is I, I'm not out there to stop fraud. What I'm out there to do is is work with you know large e-commerce merchants and make sure I stop their fraud. Yeah. And what that usually means is that I'm just creating enough barriers, you know, for for the bad guys that they just go to somebody else. You're just making it. Making it so difficult that they just go elsewhere. Yep. Yeah. They go from maybe this department store to this department store. That's not protected by your FI. Yeah, I don't stop them. I it's, see. it's not, they're not giving up and, and going into a 40 hour week job next, next week. Or, yeah. Or going yeah. back to college. So mm. it's, <laughs> they're going to stay on that path. They're just going to find a little bit. Uh, like I, I was gonna steal iPhones, but <laughs> fucking Chad got in my way. So yeah. I, I guess now I'll get a doctorate. Damn it! <laughs> God damn you! Chad. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it's probably Chad's data scientist. It's yeah. not Chad. So I like that. I like that. So you mentioned these fraud groups or or fraud ring. What what is that specifically? Is that a, is this? A, I mean, are these terrorist organizations or are these you know pe- people might think of like the kid in sunglasses and a hoodie in his mom's basement hacking the, the dark web you know what are these fraud rings or can you kind of elaborate a little bit if you can uh, i love that the, the hacker hoodie right mm-hmm. um <laughs> so the hacker hoodie that 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 that's the guy who's who's trying to probably find stolen cards he, he's not the guy who's actually you know doing the 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 impact right applying them to to buy uh to buy goods that are going to end up being fenced uh what i consider a fraud ring isn't even a person or or a group of people i consider a fraud ring a a pattern or an mo in 
in, in fraud. So let's say I'm working with a merchant or even uh, multiple merchants that, that are in the same industry, right? Okay. And I have visibility in all these these transactions, hundreds of thousands of transactions that have gone bad. I also have visibility into, you know, hundreds of thousands of tractions, transactions or millions of transactions that are, were, were legitimate. Well, using that data, we can we can run analytics on it to find patterns. And when you find a pattern, you know, and it, it's brought forward and you really evaluate it, you can see these different, they're almost signatures or fingerprints within it. You know that this is the same either person or group of people out there. And that's what uh, I consider a fraud ring. So from my point of view. What do you think about it? I mean, I'm looking at Jeffrey's face. <laughs> I just want to know, just, what, what are you thinking, brother? I, <laughs> it's just it goes much deeper than what like I can put together. Like it, it's crazy that you know we're, we're we well Chad came up here wanting an interview from us and I'm just thought it was gonna be simple and now it's just like it's crazy. I I don't know. I'm like I'm blown away almost. It, it's um. So yeah. you're gonna stop all that fraud then. Yes. <laughs> Stop buying those iPads. Uh, yep. Can, can you at least put your cell phone down when you're driving? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the very, at the very yeah. least. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, in your car, the future might just shock you or something when you pick it up. So <laughs> it might. Know. <laughs> you know, I, at that having you guys on the show is going to be awesome. But I just found out how bad of a driver I am and how bad I am with technology and. <laughs> No, it's, you know, it's really all about just improving, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought I was- Constant a- improvement. Are, are you- Mind, body, and spirit. Greg, Greg, specifically on like the improvements that, are you able to, so first off, my first part is, I'm kind of, I'm just picturing you driving around fancy cars that haven't been released yet and having a really good time. <laughs> you know, part of that's true. But uh, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. okay, so I've nailed it. Yeah, so I've nailed it. Then. Good, 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 good news. <laughs> yeah, so, so but do you got a? Are you have like a notepad? You got to stop every ten minutes and write down what you just experienced and stuff like. How do you how do you get your information back then? Well, the cars. Uh, some of the cars are equipped with telemetry that uh, is constantly. It's it's tracing and recording everything that it is doing. Wow. Um, so. Mm. When uh, when the car is on or when the car is off, uh, if if the key is on or if you are inside of the vehicle, uh, it is tracking and tracing everything that is the car can see or do. So it knows that you're in the driver's seat, right? It can uh, there's sensors in the seats and all of those things. Uh, if the if the car does something that you don't like or you think should be improved or requires documentation, uh, we can manually make a note in that mm-hmm. system. Um, and that, uh, that is, that is sometimes is simply done with, with a button. Um, and, uh, we, we can basically tell or find a marker in that, uh, that point in time in, in the data. And then the engineers team can go back, look at that point in time they can reference our report and the description of what took place and why we think it took place, uh, and then we can improve upon it in that way. So it's um, 
Yeah, so some of it is driving around in fancy cars, but the the, the sad truth is that the volume leaders in all manufacturers are a, a price point that is far more affordable. Um, your your high volume cars are are probably the uh, the lower twenty percent of MSRP. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the really expensive high end vehicles or or fun exciting performance cars mm-hmm. they are such a tiny percentage, but they all have equal importance um, and more so the really simple stuff because it they're they're selling. 10 times as many of those on a, on a weekly or monthly basis. So are you, what do you got? What do they give you? Are you on a racetrack? Are you in a wind tunnel? Are you on a dyno machine? Or is it like real life situations? It, it, it's all of those things. And again, it depends on the, the customer, uh, the, the customer being the particular group that sends that particular part to our group to be tested. So how do they want it tested? Do they want it tested in the real world? Um, do they want it tested for specific durability? Um, are we, are we testing paint? Are we testing, uh, body panels? Are we testing structural welds? Are we testing suspension geometries? Um, there are a lot of different ways that, that those things can be done. A lot of it you may see on YouTube videos and they have fancy machines and they put these cars on chassis machines and they, they can test uh, shock absorbers and things like that. But in reality, that's not how we drive our cars either. Um, we don't, we don't park them in the garage in a, in a big unit that tests its suspension overnight while we sleep. Uh, we, we actually get in it and we drive over the same potholes every day on the same <laughs> route to work every single day. Uh, there may be a, a curb that we clip every single time we make the corner to turn into the kid's schoolyard. And all of those things, uh, we're looking at flaws or shortcomings in the thought process or even the design execution or engineering that that encompasses that vehicle. So from a real broad spectrum, that's how that can work. So let me, uh, I guess, let me look at um, one particular thing, real world testing. All right. Real world testing. Uh, there, there's a, there's a lot of different ways that they will, oh, uh, without saying too much. Um, well, you must turn a lot of heads. <laughs> I mean, if you're out testing cars that aren't even out. Say more. Yeah. <laughs> like what's, what's, what is the cool secret? that's going to come out that I don't know what's going to happen on my car. I'm waiting for two things. One, how I can trick credit card merchants and get whatever I want. And two, what is the next amazing car? <laughs> oh, the next amazing car. Uh, there's a lot of choices out there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and market share is on the top of every agenda right? They want more market share. How do we get more market share? What's trending in the marketplace? If you look, what did, what did, uh, one of those manufacturers do recently? Ford Motor Company said, we are no longer going to build sedans. We are going to build all SUVs. We will be at all SUV and truck lineup. And that's because the movement towards SUV sales is just increasing mm-hmm. exponentially. 
Is that right? It is. Ford Motor Company said that they are not going to turn out sedans anymore? Correct. And I don't know exactly what year that is, but it is approaching rapidly. Something in the like range of 2025, they will no longer make a sedan. Um, so, so don't quote me specifically on that, but it is close. Um, so that, that trend is moving that way. But you look at other markets in Europe, that is not the trend. You know, they've, they're, they're, their infrastructure is different too. The roads are narrower, right? Uh, efficiencies are different because uh, the laws that are in place require certain things. Uh, they require a different uh, average miles per gallon per manufacturer. Um, so they may sell a ton more tiny cars with great gas mileage than they would over here. Mm -hmm. We sell a ton of trucks, which Jeffrey said he just bought, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they don't even fit on the roads over there. So all of those things play a factor as well. But uh, the next cool thing, huh? Yep. That's what Chad wants to know. <clears throat> uh, the next cool... <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be a secret, too. Do, yeah. do, we, do we turn heads? Um, we hope we turn heads to uh, someone who's interested in our product. Absolutely. And uh, is, it, is it totally hidden? No, it might be hidden in plain sight. But, but what we want is we want it to be recognized, and then we want people to get online, and mm -hmm. we want them to get excited about it. We want them to, to start looking at what could be, what's the possibilities. Um, we want them to talk about everything with their friends. We want them to get them to get excited about what we're excited about, mm -hmm. right? doesn't mean they will, but you might convert a few, and that's how you gain market share. You gain market share by producing a product that people want, and, and you want the masses to want it. You want the majority to want it. And there are so many things to study to try to determine what that is. What do people want? Um, and that means they've got to look at everybody else's product as well and, and scrutinize it because we just have to be better, better than all of them. The next big thing depends on what triggers people too. Oh, I don't do this. Cybertruck. Cybertruck. Right? Right? Because uh, everybody wants a truck they could just throw a stone at and the window breaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I look for in a vehicle. Windows that shatter on in the tiniest impact. When, when will I be able to not drive to work in my car? I think there's two answers to that. Some of the manufacturers that are more advanced would lend you to believe that that is just around the corner. Five to seven years everyone's going to be driving or riding in an autonomous vehicle and it's going to be taking us to work. There are so many variables that prevent that from taking place. Um, there, there's another, there's another movement connected to that. These autonomous vehicles is, is greater efficiency and that's battery electric vehicles, battery electric vehicles that that movement is, is becoming greater and greater. Mm -hmm. However, the most recent studies suggest that maybe the U.S. is just too big and too vast, and it'll never be mainstream here. It'll ba battery and electric? Battery electric vehicles. Um, it's, just, it's just too big, too vast. In countries like uh, 
areas like the European Union where uh, people don't drive really outside of their own communities to go to work. Not very often. Sometimes here we'll drive an hour or more just to drive to work. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not common for people to drive more than 15 minutes in Europe to go to work. So in that, those cases, battery electric makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so autonomous, is it coming? Yes. Is the uh, technology advancing? It is. Uh, look, look at look at a company like Waymo. Waymo continued to develop and develop at a high rate when Uber's autonomous program basically halted overnight due to a, a terrible accident. Um, Uber saw the writing on the wall for themselves. They just pulled the plug. Um, Waymo believes in their technology, but Waymo, who is a Google product, mm-hmm. Waymo was really far into their project well beyond anyone else that attempted to to even begin um much like uh, the 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 bigger manufacturer now in battery electric vehicles that that everyone is is really crazy about you mentioned the Cybertruck uh Tesla their their technology is is tremendous right um they're way ahead of that game when it comes to range when it comes to battery efficiency um so manufacturers are trying to catch up. There's a few manufacturers out there that have a lot of technology and they're holding their cards really close to the vest and they know a lot more than they will let anyone else know. And when it is time to break it out into the market, I think that's your next big thing. That's your next big thing. It is they're going to surprise people with what they are capable of. Um, and I think, uh, already the, the current market battery electric market is reacting to that in some ways. Um, it's important for them not to get too hasty also, because if you, if you lose sight of what you're focused on and you're too focused on what somebody else is doing, uh, you could really shoot yourself in the foot. I like that strategy, that kind of holding it and it's like as a secret. I, I like to do that in my relationships. <laughs> I just did some plumbing the other day and they're like, what? You plumb? I'm like, I have many skills you don't know about. You so almost, I have a great many skills. You almost let that defeat you though, brother. I almost did. It really did. I struggled, but I, I overcame and now yeah. I'm a plumber. I take the garbage yeah. out every Monday night and nobody knows about it. <laughs> I guarantee you. At least they don't tell me. Ninja status. Yeah, nice. Everything's a secret. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, yeah, I know, Chad, I got a couple of quick questions just because I'm curious about myself and maybe some of the listeners. I know what your job is specifically on, on for the Financial Institute and helping the merchants and stuff, but what are some of the ways like consumers can kind of help themselves in the world of online shopping? And if you could talk to a little bit about like, um, you know, like I have Apple Pay on my iPhone and stuff, these digital wallets. I'm in IT. I love the convenience of that. Mm. Um, I've looked into it. I've, I've look, read the thing on the security, but I really just let all the pros because I wanted to be talked into doing it anyway. <laughs> so if you could kind of mention, you know, are those digital wallets more secure or less secure and the kind of stuff that consumers can do to help themselves be a little more safe online? Okay, that that's a great question. Is the digital wallets? Um, digital wallets could be one of the things that makes my job a lot less important. When 
end. And I think it's that important from a, a consumer end and how you protect yourself. Um, the, the big thing about digital wallets is a big word. It's called tokenization. And, and what that really means is in, in a digital wallet, your, your card information is stored, but your card number is never stored. Uh, a randomized mm -hmm. value that can be tied back to your card number is stored. And that is used between your, your issuer um, and in the, the digital wallet, right? And whoever that digital wallet is maybe interacting with. So if you think about PayPal, PayPal's been around a long time. Mm -hmm. They're really a digital wallet. You know, you're, you, you have your bank account either hooked up through your bank account or you have it hooked up through a card on there. Um, the, your, those account numbers aren't real account numbers in there when they're transacted with any merchant that you're going through PayPal with. That's how PayPal can offer you fraud guarantees that, that other people can't. So the more we get used to using digital wallets, whether mm -hmm. they're like, like PayPal or whether they're built into our phone and, and we, we, we can just use, you know, near field communication to tap a, 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 a processing terminal at, when you're making a purchase and, and your wallet choose that when your card number is never really available and it's just a randomized, you know, number or, or group of numbers, you're, you're transacting a very safe transaction. So it makes it a lot harder for somebody to steal your card information. So when I'm at the grocery store, you know, if I, if I open up my, my card in here, I got my debit card and I see the same last four digits on my, on my debit card, my physical debit card that's on my little virtual debit card that shows up on my iPhone. Mm -hmm. When I tap my phone on there, it's not sending my debit card number to that point of sale system? Yeah, it's sending a tokenized version of that number. So a it, randomly uh, generated number. And then, and then, but that system's able to get back to that same set of like um, issuing bank stuff, information. Well, and it seems like it's instantaneous. Yeah. It is, it also, it is much faster. And that's one of the things I liked about it. <laughs> it's just like, now it's like I go to the pin pad, right? And if I check out the normal way, um, you know, I, I EMV, like I, I chip in and it takes a second and then I, you know, so I'm an American, so I'm outraged, obviously. <laughs> uh, what is this? Two, three seconds? Yeah. <laughs> is a Red Bull even worth it? I'm out of here. Well, then, you, then you can summon and your car, it, though, to beat you at the door. Exactly. And then it's by the time I'm ready to walk out the door. You know, I realize I'm also an American. I'm too lazy to leave. So, <laughs> so I stick there and finish it out. But no, I, uh, you know, I, I, when then it says, um, uh, do you really want this transaction? Is that something that you've done, Chad? Is this a recommendation from your side? Is, why, why are they asking me a hundred questions? It, what, it, it feels like I'm buying a house. When I when I'm just getting a Snickers and a Red Bull at the gas <laughs> yeah. station, it's like, did you really mean to spend five seventy five? Yes. Do you really want to put this transaction on your card? Yes. Is this a debit card? Yes. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> so what you're seeing there is is, is just multi factor authentication. Um, it is not at the level where merchants are really ubiquitously ready to adopt it because of people like you and me. Everybody sitting here, Amer Americans. It's what we do. A big part of my job is not keeping fraud out. A big part of my job is making sure that we're keeping fraud out and keeping the merchants' customers super happy, seamless, efficient, you know, frictionless purchasing, not waiting in line, right? Yeah. Doing it in real time under uh, 50 milliseconds, you know, whether we're looking at that token and validating that 
um, or, or, or just going through the whole, all the, all the different fraud, you know, evaluations that happen. We need to make sure that that's quick. It's, it's seamless and that it, it keeps the merchant's customers happy. Um, from going back to your question on what can we, what can consumers do? Right. And, and, you know, I see it all the time. And I think the biggest thing is, is, is you have to be vigilant and you have to be, there has to be a, a sense of paying attention I was, I was afraid you were going to say that. Yeah, it, it, it's, you, <laughs> the effort, it's, effort yeah. on our part. Oh, God. So it, it, there are different ways these guys are trying to get your information. And it's not all at once, right? They have databases, too. And they have your name. They have your social. They might have a few card numbers that have been canceled in the past. But they know where you live, and they're trying to keep building this profile on you to the point where it's going to get them to, to a payday. And, um, the, the closer they are, the, the more that they're going to target you and the more they're going to say, Hey, you know what? We, we know his past. We were able to able in this hack to get his password with, with X company. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and Hey, you know what? How many people have Apple accounts? Let, let's just let's let's try his email address in in, in apple.com with with uh, with the password there. So we hear this all the time. Different passwords. It's very important. I mean, it's as simple as is you know keeping a general password and maybe just changing a few characters on the end. And you know maybe you know that if it's a bank password, you 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 end it with. B-A-N-K, right? And and just changing those things up are, are going to be and going to help keep your information safe. But the biggest thing is, Hey, look, if something's too good to be true, somebody's coming at you, just pay attention. You know, that's it. It's, is is look at who the email came from. Mm -hmm. Um, it, don't, don't just click. It's, it's, it's just pay attention and see what's in front of you. And so, so listen, the, listen to Chad here, put B A N K in your password. That helps. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, not the, that one now. Not yeah. no, not, yeah. no. not, not, not. You've ruined yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah, just bank password. That's it. Yeah. Bank password. But you, uh, what I'm saying is, is is definitely your own password and then maybe just bank on the end and it makes it that much harder sure. for them to, to figure that out. Mm -hmm. I see. So now you've, if you've got like, if you're one of those where like, I feel like I've got so many passwords, how can I keep track of all of them? Maybe you're just taking the password and you augment it specifically for at least a more high value stuff. Oh, so like your your like your online subscription to kitten calendars, you can use your regular password, <laughs> but then I want to use that same password for that on my you know bank. That's exactly it. All right. See so what? That's a good strategy. That's a better strategy than I've been doing. What I've been doing is KKK on the end. I've been avoiding a, a, a total lack of financial yeah. <laughs> financial security. In the effort to that, when they get my information, the joke is on them. I was like, <laughs> of right. a, a 30 years of nothingness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pennies in there. <clears throat> Thanks for the effort. Yeah. So that's a good strategy to have nine accounts and six of them with no money all in of it all? Completely empty. <laughs> yeah. it's, all, it's all a house of cards. I'm just moving money, the $10 I have from each account every day just to keep them all active. That's what I, that's that's my been my strategy, but maybe I adapt to yours. Or so, or, or just link them all to a digital wallet. Well, there you yeah. go. Yeah. That's even better. Uh, I, wow. Is that what we came down to through all of that? <laughs> it seems like digital wallet's the solution. Well, it's going to put Chad out of a job, I heard. So that's amazing. 
So uh, maybe, it's gonna maybe, help. Maybe we don't do that we're, either. We're not we're not far the far away. And, and like he said, Europe is 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 way farther advanced. Um, they have their their regulations over their force merchants to to be a lot more vigilant. Force them to use different technologies. Oh. Over here, we want this 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 commercial environment. And we have lobbyists, right? Lobbyists that work for these merchants are like, don't force us to do it. Let us make our own rules. We're on the hook for it, right? Um, and, and we don't want to lose customers just because you are forcing us to put go, put our customers through this type of ringer, right? The, the multi-layer authentication you were bringing up—that's that's gonna that's that's been a kind of a provision in a lot of the. The, the compliance initiatives in, that are going on in the EU right now. Yeah, I mean, it's really definitely about convenience. I, I think I read an article about, uh, I think it was Amazon who opened a grocery store in Seattle, I think where they're headquartered out of, that you can just walk into and take stuff out of and leave the building and you never interact with a human being and you never pay for anything in any way at all. You don't even touch a phone to a terminal, it just... It knows what you've taken. Like you grab a naked juice off the thing and a bagel and leave. And somehow it takes $10 or probably $18 because it's Seattle <laughs> out of your bank account. <laughs> right. And, uh. you know, I mean, it's that's that's all about convenience, right? I mean, that's just one example, but that's very convenient, right? Mm -hmm. I wish I knew more how about, about how that worked because that's really interesting. Sensors. Sen sensors in the, like... Sensors inside of the bagels. It knows, so, when it's, yeah. it knows when it's in your gut. It, it knows when you're in your yeah. digestive system. Those are safe bagels. And then when yeah. it's no longer in your gut, and it sends you an email and says, would you like more bagels? Yeah. And then you come back in. So right. we have Like the big button you uh, stick to your dash. We're working on the, the with the payment yeah. processor. We at large FI, we have a, our, our cafeteria. When we're checking, checking out with our lunch, um, literally you, you put it probably on this two-by-two uh, scanner machine and just brings up your total. It knows everything that you have there. Whether it was a salad, slice of pizza, an orange, like a scale. Uh, it, it it measures. It, it'll know how to measure the different. different oh, like a three D scanner. It's like a. So it's oh. a three D scanner. It knows it's an orange, and it knows that internally program charge him seventy five cents for an orange. Right. But how does it know what payment method you have available to pay with? Oh, so. You have you you'll have your your D pin your your my mobile wallet that's in my phone. Oh, okay. Your digital my, and my yep. phone's my phone's right there, and then it'll bring up charge to your. Is that how this Amazon Amazon grocery I store think, works? I think the Amazon grocery store they're pushing you towards their like Amazon payment. In fact, oh. so you, they use your Amazon profile. So whatever you have registered there, whether it be like your bank issued debit card or like their online store credit or their store credit card or whatever they have, then they just take take your money out of whatever you tell them to take it out of. You know, we were talking about time earlier and three more seconds is uh, valuable. And on my way home, it's late at night. And if I have to stop for something, the only place that's open is Walmart. And you know, Walmart stopped taking mobile payments other than their own called Walmart pay. They're bringing everything in-house to their own. So if you want to shop at Walmart all the time and you want to pay with some mobile application from your phone, it must be through their system. No one right. else's. I think they realize that if 
you're there, you don't want to be there anyway. So you probably <laughs> don't want to even use your own form of payment. You might as well just use theirs because they're just, they've got you anyway. Hey, I had a, I had a cart full of stuff one night. Yep. I had forgotten my wallet at home before I left for work. Had my phone, had Google Pay, had all that stuff there. No, thank you. Had to leave it at a full cart of stuff there. Wow. Oh. See, that's... <laughs> it was a pain. You know what? That, what kind of impression does that leave you going to... I mean, these are the things that we I have yeah. to think See, about all the time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have brought it up, right? So, so yeah. yeah, it's it's an annoyance. Um, but for someone who really is in love with Walmart, <laughs> they love it. Well, so do you have... Do you have the, the, the Walmart digital wallet now? No, I refuse. Okay, cool. <laughs> there you go. Right. So you're standing Principal. up in protest. Principal. I yes. like that. Yep. I like that. So do they, they'll still take the the physical card payment then? Right. They'll still take a physical card payment and obviously they will accept cash, but uh, they will not ex- they will not accept your digital wallet of other types. Ch- Chad, how far in the future do you think it will be where... Or do you ever think this will ever stop where merchants will stop taking cash and they'll just want card payments? Electronic wow. Payments. So this is, this is the, this is kind of like the, the, what am I going to be able to drive myself to work? Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, is it going to happen? Probably not. Okay. Just this is simple fact of the matter is, hmm. is, there are people that are um, refused to bank, that are underbanked, right? Mm-hmm. Banks, mm-hmm. banks, banks aren't going to offer you an account unless you you, you can prove to them you're going to you're going to be a profitable person. Mm-hmm. Well, it right? just seems like so few people are carrying cash on them these days. You know what I mean? It's I mean even drug dealers take digital payments now. Well, uh, I read an, I saw a news article on that or a, like a sixty minutes thing or whatever. And so like, well, your local like dope man will just take a Venmo or Apple Pay or whatever. That's, um, that's streamlining business right there. Well, See, that's yeah. you know, I, it, you got it's customer satisfaction. That's a little, right? yeah. It goes to any merchant. <laughs> that's that's a little bit more difficult than than sixty minutes might just throw out there. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I said, we we they're trying to they're trying to suck these, me in. I think we yeah. vet these. Yeah, twenty seven percent of transactions are fraud right now, but no the the. 60 minutes is, is, is telling you something. We vet these merchants very well and mm. they have to go through OFAC testing. They have to go through anti-money laundering. You know, we, we, and if they do make it through the gate, we'll see those transactions and we monitor those transactions as a bank and we'll, we'll sooner or later know exactly what they're doing. So in the scheme <laughs> of things, there, there will be folks that need cash. You, you use cards all the time. You, you're, you're part of the, the, the lucky ones here in, in our country, right? There's, there's a lot of people out there that don't have that option. They get mm. paid cash, and they don't have the ability to have a bank account. They don't have the, the, the banks won't even serve their area that they live in because they're just not a profitable customer. Those customers have to use cash. They have to use check cashing, you know. And it's a bigger percentage of folks than, than you, you you'd imagine that that cash is is necessary out there. Mm-hmm. But wow, it's I guess it's just not us. Yeah, we're lucky. Yeah, lucky. Hmm. Very lucky. Well, I mean that's that's all been really interesting. I want to thank uh, 
both the guests today, uh, Mr. Chad Rice. I appreciate your insights uh, to the financial fraud world, <laughs> everything you're doing there. Uh, Gregory Rupp, thank you for uh, sharing some of the inside pieces to what's going on to adding features to new cars, et cetera, and making sure stuff is uh, safe and uh, well-managed. Yeah, I'm sure my input was uh, quite blank, and I didn't really elaborate on anything. Well, we were... Oh. Well, <laughs> We tried. We, we did. We tried to get you there, and, and you did a good those, job of evading. Yeah, exactly. Uh, any, um, but you do have a couple more minutes if you want to name drop anything specific. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome, brother Jeffrey. Yeah, man, it was a good good episode. You know, something where I where I don't speak much. You didn't happen to learn anything, did you? Dude, I I learned too much. I learned. Learn about fraud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. When we'll get rich. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no. It's on. Yeah, uh, the battle begins. Yeah. Chad, I'll see you in the future. Yeah. <laughs> God Bring damn it, Chad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Again, thanks. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah, we appreciate the guests that were on tonight, and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Goddamn, 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 goddamn.